Ten paciencia, el triunfo está en la consistencia. Humildad, modestia y elegancia. Cuidado con la arrogancia. ¿Qué te pasa? Deja esa fantasía barata. Ya no tienes amor propio. Y tu autoestima como un plato roto. Yo te conozco bien, mascarita.
This is Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say, on the air. Tuning you into the Latino literary renaissance in all its splendor. Interviews, teatro, rap, fiction, poetry, memorias, composer spotlights, and more. Always mas. Thank you so much for tuning in to Nuestra Palabra, Latino writers having their say on the air, and today is an example why it is so vital to have a community radio station where Latinx authors, writers, and activists can decide what goes on the air, because today we're going to be dealing with some very of-the-moment issues that concern art in our community a little differently than every other program, because it always is a little bit about that. Today we're going to talk about how it can go away, and we're talking specifically about the campaign to save TBH, and then also we want to talk about the Latino legacy art groups, and we're going to have on the air today Richard Rodriguez, who is on the transition board for Talento Bilingue de Houston, and he'll be talking about taking the nonprofit to this to this moment because he's dedicated a lot of time and energy to getting it to, to taking things to light that were not in the airway in the air before in the light before but we're also going to talk about Latino legacy groups because it is sad that we're about to lose one and we want to talk to Daniel Bustamante who is celebrating 40 years for Festival Chicano and uh, we want to talk about how hard it has been to, to stay alive and then how we can team up for the next phase. But this is a very serious program because we are talking about the passing of a legacy Latino art group, Talento Bilingue de Houston. Hey, this is Tony Diaz, Libre Traficante. Hola, bonjour, como estas? This is Q. What's up, y'all? Hey, it's just, we got a skeleton crew today. Yeah, and- we do. It's all good, though. What's up, Marlene, Letty? We miss you all and all the interns, Maria. Rachel, Rachel, and they are on their way to the National Association Hispanic Journalist Conference out in San Antonio. Crush it out there, ladies. And... Hey, they they help us put the program together. They are behind the scenes. It takes one hour of of adrenaline to do the show on the air live, which is a lot of fun work, but work. It takes several hours for each segment, planning, getting the people together, going back and forth. So we appreciate all the work that they do. And we got to let them fly. I mean, we have to let them go to that conference to really spread their wings. Yeah, soon you guys let me go too. That's right. <laughs> and speaking of spreading your wings, congratulations, Q, on yeah. your grant award. Houston Arts Alliance, appreciate you, Houston Arts Alliance. Uh, check out uh, Bule Like Jazz. You're going to have a- hashtag AfroLatinHTX. I see. We're going to explore Afro-Latin roots, businesses, events, things that go on in Houston, Texas. Uh, yes, I am your middleman, your main man right. for that. <laughs> <laughs> so that is excellent. So, yeah, I appreciate you, Houston Arts Alliance. It's coming soon. Go check out Bule Like Jazz. Subscribe so you don't miss out on that. Fantastic. And today we're going to forego the soapbox because the whole show is kind of like a soapbox. Let's <laughs> <laughs> get into it. And, and we got to get into it. So uh, in the studio, legacy Chicano activist Daniel Bustamante. Thank you for joining us. Today. Oh, my pleasure, Tony. And congratulations on the 40 years of work for gracias, Festival gracias, Chicano gracias, gracias. and for so many other things as yeah. well. Well, thanks to the great community of Houston, toda la raza, all the people of color in this city. I mean, we just need to keep continue pushing forward and staying together, united, and hold up each other. And and I want to say one thing. I, I respect and admire everything that you do, but I also need to put our generation in check because our generation has different advantages that you did not. We're going to go into that <laughs> profoundly. I'm And I'm saying this on your worst day, activist of today, when, you know, they got you, you feel cornered, it's still way better than it was 40 years ago. And I want to appreciate all the all the hint there that held it down when we weren't even a sought-after demographic. So appreciate all that you've done. Can't wait to dig into it and hear about the Latino legacy work, but also how tough it was back then because we will get to that. 
So thank you for joining us. We'll talk about that at the top. And then also we're going to interject the Save TBH campaign. We have some updates. We just coming back from a mayor uh, meeting with the mayor, uh, Mayor Turner, and Harris County Precinct Judge uh, Adrian Garcia. And we'll give you the answer at that. But in the studio is entrepreneur, cellist, and supporter of the arts, especially uh, the only Chicano museum. I think it's in the city, but no. That's right. In the city, Fourth Ice in America, Rich Rodriguez. Thanks for joining us, brother. Well, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. And I also want to point out, too, is that we have a lot of cultural capital in the room and that you've invested a lot of time, energy in digging through the books to quantify how the nonprofit Talento uh, Benito Houston went off track. And I appreciate you. Yeah. Unlike, unlike other board members that fled and kicked the can down, you know, down the street, you stayed in there. It wasn't pretty. It was hard work. It's not fun like a reading. And you stuck it out to, to shed light on, on what was going on with the books and other things. Yeah, and, you know, as luck would have it, yeah, you could become guilty by association, right? <laughs> um, like today, we, we saw a lot of people expressing a lot of uh, animosity towards the board. And, you know, even if I was on the board for six months, by nature of the title, you're one responsible for what's going on. And, you know, the one thing I like to say on that is that I, it, really, it really irks me when people who are not doing anything, are not making any effort, although they know there's a problem there, have never taken the energy or time to get involved, to try to, uh, you know, broad brush condemnation, you know. Like, you know, these, anyway, it's, it's, pretty, it's, it's pretty disconcerting. I mean. Well, and what I would add, too, is the other issue that that brings up is that it models that you're you're the signal to other professionals is right. why are you in this lane bro stay out of this lane because you're not making money off it. Uh -huh. it time energy down down the tubes you're doing it for the good of community and then finally you're getting blamed for the actual issue you're bringing to light while other people dodge it and well, well that's what leadership's about right mm -hmm. it, doing the right thing that's what doing the right thing's about even though you know you may come up dirty you know even though you're there to solve the issue even though you know uh you're, you may not get any reward or recognition for it just fine I, i'll do i don't really seek those things out but it takes strong will strong leadership and a lot of character to go in and do what no one else is willing to do i mean i mean i i went in there knowing that my reputation could be hurt from being associated with them but i thought it was the right thing to do and luckily Will history remember it? I don't know. But uh, we, we did what we would try to accomplish, and we solved uh, the problem. Well, and I think you're kind of alluding to Nuestra Palabras, Lane. We are the writers. We have yeah. to archive this. We have to tell the story. Right. And I really appreciate you being part of that transition team, investing in our community cultural capital, because we do want to tell you. So coming back from the meeting, the other thing I want to point out, too, um, I think sometimes we, we get stereotyped as either just angry Chicanos or, or quiet Mexicans. Um, l let's get something straight. I am blessed and privileged that, we one, we have the airwaves. Two, we have media. We got legacy. And we're at the table. So th that, that's the responsibility. Having said that, um, we just got back from the meeting where Mayor Turner was discussing the fate of Talento Bellini with Houston. Uh, we had also Councilman uh, Robert Gallegos. Uh, City Council Representative Carlos Cisneros and about a dozen or so other community leaders yeah. in there as well. And the, the summary is that, so te technically speaking, the nonprofit that was Talento Bade with Houston doesn't have its nonprofit status. Um, and it it's still doing some operations. I think one thing that's I've heard people say is that it's dead. Uh, sounds like you're still doing work. So <laughs> you're haunted. You yeah. guys are still doing work. So I get it how technically yeah. the board may not exist, but you're still in there. And it should be. It should be on, on the front. Recognize that the people who are there now are not the problem. You know, um, myself, um, David Contreras. I think he just resigned, but he was only on the board for like three months. Uh, everybody has a tenure of less than a year for the most part. And most of us went in, uh, came in to try to solve or ready the ship because the ship was sinking, right? Although a lot of it was not disclosed, the people they brought in the last minute uh, were people that were mindful enough to ask the right questions, and then everything just kind of fell apart because, you know, we're looking for financials, we're trying to get to the root of all the issues, 
And we did do all that. And um, we're like, hey, you know, Emperor has no clothes. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we're willing to say that. And uh, but that being said, you're right. Um, you know, um, there's new people in there now, including the coordinator who was never allowed to really do her job is doing her job. But she's doing it wonderfully. Maria's doing a great job out there coordinating uh, events there. So there's still some programming happening. We still have some things actively planned for Hispanic Heritage Month. And, of course, in October, we have some other things for DLS Month. So, I mean, there's going to be a few events that are still happening. So we'll see uh, what time time will tell exactly when they tell us, uh, you know, we got to turn in our keys and get the hell out of the building. Because, well, <laughs> I mean, again, that's it. I, I get it. And, and, again, sometimes I have to wear my Nuestra Palabra hat, right. sometimes my activist hat. My Nuestra Palabra hat is like, well, the, the group's dead. But there you are with agency, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> turning the keys, and instead of going out and enjoying yourself, you're yeah. you're there wrapped in it. Yeah. Uh, that's the activist side that says, "Okay, I get the technical side, but you're still in the building doing, <laughs> making sure uh, the plays go on because that's what's important for the community." Well, that's what it's all been about for me, and you know, I got to give Tony credit too. We both really got active, really active in this when we understood that the building was threatened. We could potentially lose the building for the community which uh, you only have one cultural center, a Latino cultural center, and it's a converted grocery store, I mean, unfortunately. Formerly known as Oscars. Yeah, it's not even (laughs) like it's a a major facility, but it's all we have. And if we lose that, then we're really going backwards, right? So both of us early on set out to do whatever we needed to do to save the building, and that's always been my only agenda, keep the building for the Latino community. So if we got to keep staying in there to keep the lights on. To, even though you're dead. Even though you're dead, you know. <laughs> I'll be there. You're in limbo. We're trying to keep Coco it. needs to save you. Yeah. Coco needs to put your picture on something. <laughs> and then you, can, <laughs> and you can continue on. Well, um, you know, we, we want to make sure that it gets handed off to another group that's a Latino group. And we don't want to get, you know, and, over. And so. since we're speaking this for history, we're going to download this right away tonight. It'll be up in the archives tomorrow. You can share this because we want... To be transparent, yeah. but I want to get something straight. Let's get something clear. There's not for lack of talent in our community. Um, I also think this is an era where we can look at the errors that happen in our community, but we also need to be fair. You had individuals who were doing the job of executive director, also passing out flyers, also directing a play, also walking in volunteers. If It really does take about a million dollars to run a theater like that. We did an analysis of all comparable theaters. Um, if you look at uh, Mecca, they're at a million dollar operating budget. If you look at Match, they're over a million and a half. The ensemble's about two and a half million. If you don't want to complain, you need to have about a million dollars of operating budget to make things work. So I will bring this up as well. So mm-hmm. our community is staring at our errors mm-hmm. in the past, but we're looking at everyone else's errors as well. And our community's never been given full funding the way other groups have, and, and namely, if we, we, if we go there, like uh, the hotel occupancy tax, mm-hmm. that's been a law for six years. The majors get 58% of that funding right away, and then we all fight for the rest. Now, again, I'm just putting that in context because we are, look, we are airing our dirty laundry, but we're really at everyone else's. And let's get it straight. I will not tolerate the myth that we can't handle money. I will throw this in. As Mexican-Americans, and not all Latinos, most Latinos, we're ashamed to talk about money. That's got to stop because TBH is closing down because of money. Exactly. The other thing is we got to start becoming patrons of our own people. You know, and that's a real, I don't know if it's a cultural thing, a systemic thing, maybe because culturally we just, systemic, we haven't had uh, extra money to do that. But those of us who do, we you need to open your wallet and you got to support that, these kind of things. You know, I support the arts every time I can. Every <laughs> The local new artists starting to, you know, some of the more, um, you know, well-known artists. I commission work all the time. And that is something that we all, we can't complain about losing your cultural center and not having other things if you don't step up and put your money where your mouth is. You know, that's something we got to start doing. Absolutely. If I can interject, like, I think that's super important and it's transferable to the, uh, the, the black community. We do have to support. We can't look for a uh, reduce prices or whatever you know we've got to we got to support them like we will support the major brands the major companies the major actors actresses or things that are going on we've got to empower them in the same ways and, and what i what i will add is two things to that one our community does that for churches right. so they 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 do it for churches without question oh my goodness like yeah. till it hurts without one, question without question the other thing i'll put in there too i concur with everything you're saying but i want to add this to it 
there still needs to be funding for development officer to cultivate. It's probably a three-year oh, investment in time to cultivate it because, you know, if you're an accountant and you're CPA, you're going to spend $5,000, but you do want that VIP seat. You do want that reception. You know, I kind of get it. TBH is, you know, Mecca must for don't even ask for supply. <laughs> you know, uh, we'll send you a thank you email maybe, <laughs> you know, but we're not at that point. And part of it, I'm going to go back to the, to the funding, um, but let's not leave people in suspense for too long. Um, the, the the meeting that we just left, the mayor made a commitment to keeping the doors of the theater open. So that's good. Yeah, that's good. And there was not a consensus exactly which way to proceed because it is very complicated. It's not fun. It's not sexy. When I was getting my MFA in creative writing, we didn't sit down and say, hey, "Let's pretend we're going to do <laughs> an exhausting meeting <laughs> on nine nineties." Yeah, exactly. You know, not, nothing to do with that. Uh, but the mayor did say, based on input, that there was going to be devised a short-term plan into January and then a long-term plan after that. Yeah. But he did renew his commitment to to coming up with a way to make sure it's open and that we don't lose any of the programming coming up. I, I didn't think the vehicle was appropriate, although I understand why the mayor would use his Hispanic Advisory Committee for that purpose. I mean, it's all people who are, have allegiance to him and... You know, to to his mind, have our stakeholders, right? But you don't get a bunch of long term, just uh, politicos in there to talk about a cultural center. You need the right folks talking about that. The people who un- really understand mm-hmm. how those things work. Uh, it's just a different animal. Uh, I'd be much more um, content with seeing more artists in there making kind of these decisions. And and I'm a businessman, but I'm also an artist. So find people who can do both or whatever. Uh, you don't need just a bunch of yes men, which is basically what that was. And this is a good question. And again, now let me put my nuestra palabra hat on. As a member of nuestra palabra, I am on the mayor's Hispanic advisory you board. Yeah. But you make up, a, you make a great point in that that's a very specific group of folks that are not necessarily in the arts lane, right. and, and, and that's not why exactly uh, they're very, they are biased well, <laughs> for yeah. the most part. And again, that that leads to suggestions such as having a. Uh, either a Latino, not arts, non-arts Latino nonprofit assumed the operating, which is not a good idea. Which was which was which was recommended. Which was recommended. Yeah. Or a non-Latino nonprofit on board. And, Even and, worse. Yeah. And, and I mean, besides, I mean, that should obviously not make sense to anyone. <laughs> However, let me add this as well. Let's just be very practical. They would have to pay millions for the a- experts in cultural capital to run it. And, you know, they didn't do it before. So where were they these other 40 years? They didn't do it before. So there's no reason to think that they would do that. And to me, it's kind of a, a misconception of, of the power of cultural capital. But, but going back to your point, we do need that sort of focus group. And, and let mm-hmm. me also, Nuestra Palabra, we jumped ahead of this for several reasons. One, let's get something straight. And everybody agrees with this. Ain't, ain't no non-Latinos taking over that building, Okay. Ain't no Latinos taking over that building. That just ain't right. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. our community facility. That stays community. We got the assurance of today. But let's get something straight. It, it took art activists to get in front of it. And I'm glad you jumped on board. Yeah. Um, you know, and, you know, we're doing everything out in the open. TBH asked us to come in. We can't because the contract is with Houston first. We have to look at the books, et cetera. The, the other thing I want to put on the table, Nuestra Palabra, we pushed ahead too because there isn't a central focus a committee right. of groups you know I, I i am very optimistic that what comes out in the wash is going to be something a lot better than what was going on at tbh right now i mean although tbh had a great history of doing some great programming it was just struggling along these last couple of years you know it, nothing was really happening it was very uh it was stagnant and it had a bad reputation uh for not being able to, to work with people and, and let's yeah. say let's say one for example yeah. because of uh, folks that weren't experts at running those, and also because yeah. of not enough funding. Let's get something straight. That should have been funded. And and again, I want to be fair to everybody involved. We're talking about a contract that was created before the uh, the Turner administration. Yeah. The hot tax was was in place then. It was not funding our folks fairly. So so for example, a few things that happened at the town hall. You had artists complaining. Well, you know the people who run TBH lean on us for funding. And if you're starving, you gotta eat. Right. Yeah, yeah. Perfect example. There was a th- there was a th- uh, theater group at the town hall who said we want to put our productions on here, but you want to charge us all this money. 
I'm like, well, you know, that's the that's the sad situation you get put in when you have a, a theater for for rent, when you have to pay rent to a municipality or you're not getting subsidized by the city or the county, then you have to pass on that cost to someone to someone. <clears throat> Whereas many cities and other in a perfect world and and the right model really is if you're gonna the the city's gonna commit to funding Latino art and they make that commitment, then there's a, there's an injection of capital, and that alleviates those young artists from having to pay right. to produce those plays. So then it becomes a real community theater, and that's where you start to build your cultural capital and your young Experts, artists who are created. The, the that, kids that we group don't have to leave. The city needs to look at it as an investment in the creation of these artists, and they just don't look at it that way. Well, they haven't in the past, at least. Well, so. so let's add to the table that we do need that sort of commission or cohort, and let's get something straight. There should be an eco-art system that has funding from the county, the city, TERS, and then we can kind of develop these other things. We don't have that's that right. yet, and, and right. maybe that's a good point. Let's put that on the table as well. And, and Tony, if I can just Please. interject something. I mean, I've been in Houston 50 years. From the day I got here in 1969, Houston was a segregated city. Uh, black communities, Latino Dang, communities we were segregated. That. We and, forget uh, that. And in the 70s, Houston was integrated. In the 70s was a decade of violence against black people and brown people by the Houston police. And a lot of communities were just struggling to get dignity and have the ability to walk streets safely and have their kids educated. There was a lot of resistance. The Klan was marching on the streets. Um, so it was not until yeah. the 80s, really, that things started shaking. And I was blessed to be around Casa de Amigos Community Center when TBH got started at Talento Bilingue de Houston in the late 70s. My wife, uh, Dolores Bustamante, was the first chairperson of the board back wow. then. A lot of enthusiasm, motivated by culturistas, uh, folkloricos, just people in the community wanted to see themselves represented on stage. And, and this was true in the African-American and the, both the Latino community, and the struggle was there. We were fought every inch of the way. When I went to Miller Theater, uh, I was told that the venue was a venue for the fine arts. Mm. And we were not part of the fine arts. So that just propelled me to, to continue to fight and get in there. And, and so I know the struggle. But it didn't start with this mayor. It started historically. Sure. And, and as a Chicano, as a Tejano, this started since the San Jacinto battle crest. Boom. <laughs> I mean, I, I can go way <laughs> back, okay? But, 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 but African-Americans and, and, and Chicanos in this town, we've been fighting this for the 50 years I've been here, and it's nothing new. But it, it's it, just a it, manifestation I, the, no, of the 21st so century. I'm so glad you're putting that historical context because really what we're suffering from, and TBH is dead because of structural discrimination. Yeah. That, that's really what we're, we're suffering. And it happens so profoundly that we don't even see it. And here we are, like you're saying, we're, we're, we're mad at each other because you've got, uh, you know, the theater charging the theater group. And, and they're very, uh, you know, those are legitimate, but it's because the structure has been imposed on us. Exactly. And perhaps we're at this era. No, we are at this era where I believe that will be addressed and we can move forward. And maybe like you're saying, we got to start implementing these, these different tools. To and get and a lot of it has to do with some cultural animosity, too, because, you know, a lot of our folks, you know, you get into these little factions, and people start to they start to this kind of rumor mill, the kind of small-mindedness, and people already had put a black mark against TBH for whatever it was sort of over the last couple of years, and no one was funding it, no one was helping it. All these a lot half the people we saw in that room today hadn't stepped in that building in probably five or ten years, you know. So we have forty-something percent of the population, forty-two percent of the population. A lot of us have become part of the affluent class. Almost none of them donate or give money to these, these organizations anymore. You know, even if you don't like the person who's the executive director, even if you don't like whatever, doesn't mean you stop funding your cultural your cultural institutions. You know, and that's something that we did. And, and by the way, you're not speaking out of turn. Alice Valdez stood up in the middle of the room exactly and said that. that exact same thing. Yeah, and I, I think that that's another part of the issue. Uh, what importance do we give to cultural capital? And how do we get past some of these misgivings? Uh, it ain't pretty. Because, again, uh, you, you're right. I mean, it could appear as if Nuestra Palabra is trying to take over all, this, all the towns. No, those are the Libra Traficantes. They're trying to do that. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they are. No, uh, But it's not. Why? Well, because we're, we, we do 
expect our community to be so. But community cultural capital is not appreciated across the board. If, if I can say this just because I, I think I need to say it, uh, I'm not affiliated with Nuestra Palabra at all, really, other than um, myself and Tony have been uh, cohorts in trying to save this building. But I want to applaud his efforts over the last, I guess, couple of months that we've been at this. He has not done it from a profit-minded center. He's done it all from a very uh, altruistic and uh, meaningful uh, center of trying to save the building, which is the same mission we've all been trying to do. So, uh, again, another one of these, you know, as any culture, as they maturate, they go through all these little institutional uh, nonsense. And uh, it's a whole crab thing again. (laughs) They can't stand to see anybody propel themselves in a different level you know tony was being as strong as he was and uh trying to help save the institution other people saw it as a mechanism of agenda driving or trying to be profit motivated which is why would we why do you look at <laughs> someone who's willing to become a leader and step out and doing that oh obviously if he's spending time and energy and effort he's trying to get paid you know that's that, that's a problem that's a problem with the way we look at ourselves culturally and uh, you know, hopefully that we can get past that kind of nonsense. I, I and, and it's a big problem, and it's been there for a long time. It's going to take a while to solve it, and we just got to stand united and and, and right. don't let people divide us. You know, because that's what's going on. The, the other thing I would add too is, um, and, and and I tell you what, I I do feel privileged. Uh, I don't feel bad about what's going on because it's part of the process, and mostly because we as Libertaficantes. We took on straight up crazy racist in Arizona, okay? So like like we felt ugly heat. <laughs> okay, uh we, we took on the Tea Party as Libertaficantes. Um so you're right. There, there's certain ways our community acts. It's easy to forgive though, because yeah. I feel like like we are on the winning side. But let me add this though. That is why we need to talk about community cultural capital, because we should be able to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Like, you as artists should be ambitious. Mm-hmm. We should come up with a way, like, like, 10 years from now, there should be seven people competing for the executive directorship of whatever institution it will become. And they should all be top-notch. We should steal one from New York. King and get the job, though. <laughs> but but I mean we should we should still be able to do that because it is not wrong to be ambitious and it is not wrong to desire to be in this field so so I'll I'll put that on the table yeah. as well as well too. Um, having said that, it's in summary just as far as TBH. So the city has committed to not letting the doors close, to helping bring us together for a solution that will be short term. Hearing dialogue for long term. We hope you will send us notes. We will convey them to the mayor. Talk to your city council person. Uh, talk to um, the Houston Arts Alliance. Uh, Deb McNulty from the Mayor's Cultural Affairs was in the room. You had uh, Adam Madrano, who's a board member of Houston Arts Alliance. Uh, there were a lot, of, uh, a lot of other people in the room. You, you can give them your ideas as well. And next step will be to get concrete answers to what that could be. And, you know, what's interesting is I think there is a real opportunity here because the, the paid staff obviously are not going to be able to be retained much longer. But it's what I said at the town hall for those artists that are out there, those playwrights, those pe- production companies, the theater's there, you know, until they make us leave, use it. <laughs> come up, come fill the theater, fill the, fill the calendar up. Let's show them that there's still at least a need for it, that it's never really been enough for what we all could do if we're given the right opportunity to use it. Unfortunately, some of the powers that be had made it very restrictive with costs and everything else. But hey, the electricity is being paid for by the city. So <laughs> if you got to play, come on, let's put it on. Let's do it. Why not? That's awesome. And, and, and there's so much cultural capital out there that I'm sure folks let's, listening. Let's have some fun. If we're going to go out, let's go out with a party. We'll dive in. That's awesome. Well, uh, I tell you what, we'll take a musical break. And then we're going to come back to hear about, yo, let's get real with Daniel Bustamante, 40 years of Chicano Festival. He's got stories about days when, yo, clan members marching through Houston, de verdad? Yes, sir. Oh, my goodness. Yo, this is not no game show, okay? This is not no chump reality TV show. This is real life history a Nuestra Palabra. Latino writers having to say the number one rated radio show for Latino literature in the state. Yo, come back for deep thoughts. Here's some dope music soundtrack to a revolution.
barrio chicano, pumping new wave, rap, tajano, la mafia, Mars, Bobby Pulido, Selena y los Dinos, Fama, Emilio, mixtape, Max L, clear cassette, cholas on steps, wearing aquanet, hit the corner store, then take the left, baleta de chamoy, mint for fresh breath, one stop record shop, hanging with the rosters, walk got me craving taqueria aranda, discoteca puma, CD consumers, always got the latest mixtapes, de cumbia, sounds cross borders, even when people couldn't, Las Fronteras with the music On and on from Austin to Dallas Essay, Houston, Texas, the baddest Bring it back to yesterday Before my memory fades away Summer never ended, fall never came Things changed but they also stayed the same Bring it back to yesterday Before my memory fades away Summer never ended, fall never came Things changed but they also stayed the same Sunset to the full moon, tonight's reception at the ballroom, playing Jimmy Edwards, Lauda Canales, Ruben Ramos, Little Joey, Johnny Hernandez, in a tuxedo, Tejano Gambino, listo para celebrar, somos primos, Tia Ana taking photos in the backyard, great to thank sponsors, host at the bar, case of beer, tequila bottles everywhere, Santana guitar solo, bringing cheers, long table set with fold up chairs, barbecue smoking, summer's in the air, last toast to those dead locked up, was a war on us time for healing and start building and things get real when summer brings the feeling bring it back to yesterday before my memory fades away summer never ended fall never came things change but they also stay the same bring it back to yesterday before my memory fades away summer never ended fall never came things change but they also stay the same from the heat, lies on the grill, smile so sweet, talk to the DJ behind the PA, gave him a beat tape, kick back and then wave, backyard crowded, house residential, smash instrumentals, to be continued, bring it back to yesterday, before my memory fades away, summer never ended, fall never came, things changed, but they also stayed the same, bring it back to yesterday, before my memory fades away, summer never ended, fall never came, things changed, but they also stayed the same. Experiencing Nuestra Palabra, Latino Writers Heaven, they say on the air, giving you the soundtrack to a revolution. We are sharing the news about Talento Belén with Houston. Uh, we just left a meeting with the mayor, uh, Mayor Turner, and Harris County Precinct 2 Commissioner Adrian Garcia, also City Council Representative Robert Gallegos, and City Council Representative um, Carla Cisneros. And the consensus was that the, the doors will stay open. And that also that uh, we'll, they'll make sure to make sure that programming continues. Short-term answer uh, up to um, January, and then after that, coming up with the long-term answer. So we're reporting that news. A lot of people are asking different questions. We can't answer any of the other questions about intervening forces, etc., because technically we don't know exactly who will run or operate the building with the contract with Houston First, and we don't know exactly how you'll be able to allocate funds there. Um, we expect answers soon, so all that. All that has to be answered for anything to, to continue. So we'll, we'll keep you posted on that. But this is an important step 
towards making sure that the community isn't deprived of that important center. Uh, having said that, too, we do want to put this in, in context, and we want to. I will not tolerate any of these stereotypes that we can't handle money, that we steal money. No. There were some errors made. I want to congratulate a Chicano who went through. Uh, you had, uh, yourself, Rich Rodriguez, was on the board to transition that. Um, you had Augie Pineda as president said, we're going to come through and we're going to transition this. Uh, David Contreras put in about 800 hours of going through the books. Uh, Sam as well, I commend you for, for sitting there doing the ugly work. That's just ugly, boring stuff, man. <laughs> you know, It's like mind-numbing. Uh, and let's make something clear, too. Our community, TBH is dead. Yes, some of our errors, but also structural discrimination that's been going on for generations and decades. I'm going to put one on the table. Uh, in 2013, the hotel occupancy tax contract went into effect. And basically, this was a contract that's going to be changed up. I don't know how yet. It goes into effect December 2019. But under that, whoever goes to a hotel... 14% goes towards this hot tax. Now, as that's divvied up, 58% went off the top to the majors. So the groups with the most infrastructure, the most money, got the m most money easiest. Mm -hmm. And then we fought for the rest. And last year, Mecca, who's got the largest um, nonprofit, Latino nonprofit operating budget. All they got max was seventy five thousand, which is the cap. That cap's supposed to change to one hundred twenty five thousand. So I bring that up because with those sort of numbers, you've got the majors. You know, out of seven and a half million, they get about four and a half million off the top. That's not even. We can't even compete for that. And then the rest comes to us. That's been going on at least since those six years. You know, explain who the majors are for those listening. So, so specifically, there's five folks that sign on that. It's going to be your theater district. Your Miller Arthur the District, uh, and then you've also got the Cultural Affairs Office, Houston Arts Alliance, and those basically will fund all the big, all the big nonprofits that that, that you can imagine. Um, that's just one component of the structural discrimination. You know, you're talking about in the days where you had clan, so clan marches down Houston streets. Well, I mean, Houston is a, a wonderful, beautiful boomtown, and it's been booming on the backs of working people and working people that haven't had the privilege of getting good wages. And uh, the 70s were really uh, a horrible time for if you were a person of color. Uh, there was a lot of abuse in the communities. There was not any uh, cultural enrichment programs. Desegregation in Houston happened in the early 70s, and that whole period was very difficult. So to me, it's no surprise that HISD is such a low-performing school because the right things have not been put in place. And one of those elements is cultural enrichment, education to young people about the arts. Um, there used to be Vallejo Glorico, and it may seem simple and, and just a simple uh, beginning type of dance, but it exposed children to musical instruments, to dance, and to, to wardrobe. Theater. I mean, I remember the days at Casa Domingo's Community Center when uh, the group there, the theater group, started the genesis of Teatro Bilingue, Talento Bilingue. It started wow. Casa Domingo's. Was that the begin? That was the that was precursor the beginning. To... That was the precursor before it wow. became an independent uh, nonprofit. And Casa Domingo's was a Methodist United Methodist Church project, so the churches were involved. And so I would say uh, we, we need the churches to get reengaged and put money and their endowments or foundations into the community to enrich cultural institutions because we need that. Uh, the most powerful people in, in, in this town are me members of corporate America. This is an oil town. There's a lot of endowments and foundations. They need to step up to the table for the sake of the future of the city. And we're like 40 percent plus Latino, but 43. communities of color. I mean, we're it's like in the 70, 80 percent. <laughs> so, so, so we really, really, I mean, it, it's on the backs of our political leadership. We have a strong mayor former government, and I've seen that historically oppress people of color in the arts. You know, and um, back back when... Uh, Name some names. Let's go. Give you know, the history. When, when <laughs> Bob Lanier beat Sylvester Turner for mayor in 91. When was that? 91. Wow. Was that the was that the first time that now Mayor Turner ran for office or I mean I, ran, ran no for not for office. Ran he for was mayor? a state rep, but but Bob Lanier was the most powerful mayor that I've had the experience of dealing with and he didn't like me, he didn't like Alice Valdez cuz we were outspoken. And Dang, I, I even I'm, then and, and I don't <laughs> and I won't forget cuz you mentioned the the majors. Uh there was a year when the majors 
the patrons of the of the uh, the Wortham, Jones Hall, all the downtown theaters were upset because they were getting wet when they got out of their cars in the garage to go to the show. So the mayor was going to put millions of dollars into the garage, and we went to City Hall to protest, to complain about the funding for minority arts. Black and brown and Asian culturistas activists. Alice and I were the only ones that made it. So we took a beating from the mayor because he didn't like what we were saying. Basically, he was trying to shut us up. But the money, this flow of money to minority communities for arts uh, Improvement, cultural capital, as you call it, this is historical. Wow. They've never done it. I think I've seen more response from some of the major, the leaders of some of the major institutions. Uh, you know, they, they've they've always uh, claimed to be serving minority communities. The Museum of Fine Arts got hundreds of thousands of dollars in community development dollars to bring in African-American children from Third Ward into the museum, but the money wasn't going into Third Ward to do do something in the community for, for and, the children. And if I may interject, I think right now, too, some of the major uh, national foundations, the philanthropic foundations, they no longer want something like that. They want to, they want to empower uh, black, brown artists and institutions to do that work. And, and that's what we have to do for, for mutual survival anyway. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but... No, that, no, 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 but... but we all know it. I mean, Latinos are a, a booming population here, and we're booming on the backs of underpaid workers right. and families that have to hold three or four jobs just to feed those kids and get them in school the next morning. And they don't have the blessing in these schools of the arts. I mean, you have to go to certain schools, and there's not enough of those schools. <laughs> Let, let's be real. Hard. If this is a hotel occupancy tax, so if, there's, if there is a tax on hotel stays, we're cleaning the rooms. That's our gente cleaning those hotel rooms, but the money's not coming down for their kids to enjoy art. Exactly. If I could say on, on what you just said, hit it right on the head. I've told this story before. I'm a cellist, and I've always credited music for my cognitive development, mm -hmm. right? But I didn't learn that in Houston. You know, mm. My mother happened to be married to somebody uh, just for a f short amount of time who lived in Pasadena. They happened to have string program when I was mm -hmm. in the sixth grade. So I picked it up, came back to Houston, had nothing to support me. I mean, I had wow. no, you know, God forbid I even told anybody I played the cello, I'd get beaten up, you know, <laughs> every corner. But, yeah, yeah. but I, got, I was good enough to join the Houston Youth Symphony, and then that's where I continued my, the only Latino of 150 people in that, wow. in that Youth Symphony. But, um, but again, again, that, that's, that, that story is unfortunately very, very common. uncommon. That some, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that you made very, it. very. You made it, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a very uncommon. I mean, I'm I'm not proud that I'm the one of whatever. It's sad. You know, that's why when uh, I later in New Year's and I, I owned a violin shop for a while, mm -hmm. I donated 189 uh, violins. I donated 31 to TBH and I donated 48 to Baker Ripley to start a violin program. Wow. But that's Excellent. because I understood that the resources weren't there. It's and all like, about the children. I mean, it's all about the kids. we got to exactly. get them going in I, elementary school yeah. you know, to write, to paint, to dance. Form to all those yeah. characteristics Absolutely. then Absolutely. for can the I, payoff later. Can you I know, interject real quick? Please. So go. you're talking about, um, Mr. this question is for you, Mr. Bustamante. Did I get it right? Yeah, Bustamante. Bustamante. I'm sorry. I'm That's working okay, on it. <laughs> so you're talking about needing for art and so forth in schools. I worked in a charter school. That was the only time I was able to, like, do exhibits on Black Lives Matters, Black historians, things like that. I currently work in an all public school, and none of that goes on. Wow! Do you see charter schools as a way to like address a curriculum that's that's you know cultural yes. curriculum? Yes, I do because you have more freedom, more liberty. It depends on the superintendent and the principal. I, I had the privilege of working at the Hano Center School for a bit. First thing I did, uh, I started a, a teatro group. Ala Teatro Campesino with no props, just a little cardboard with a name, and gave these kids scripts that Teatro Campesino put out Dang. And, and, and converted into urban situations. And there was drug abuse going on. There was all kinds of, of bad things going on, but trying to get these kids focused on seeing themselves mm -hmm. and understanding the forces that are going to move them. But, yes, I see charters as a way uh, around some of the barriers. Mm -hmm. HISD is a big, big system. Every school needs to have an arts curriculum in HISD. That should be mandatory, just like math and science and history. And I think it shouldn't be Pre looked at. Required, yeah. It shouldn't <laughs> be looked at as an extracurricular uh, core. So a core, yeah, it's a core. It, it, gives, a core. it gives, it boosts all the rest yeah. of the other ones. You know? Exactly. By, exactly. By having that cult, that cognitive development, these kids are are still in the middle of neuroplasticity. 
They, exactly. can, they can learn anything. They're like sponges. And they can read once they learn. I mean, exactly. they can just read, read, read. Exactly. So. Well, hey, you're you're too. You got to get more into self promotion. Tell, hey, <laughs> they they can enjoy the stories, but they can live the history. Tell folks well, about the upcoming Festival of Chicano. I'm so blessed to be the founding director of Festival Chicano. Mm. But it comes and and I get I get emotional, and I always tell people don't ever tell a, an activist organizer not to get emotional because <laughs> that's like throwing gas on a fire. Love it. Uh, I had to fight my way into Miller Outdoor Theater. Dang. And it started with a concert at Moody Park on Easter Sunday, 1977. The city, after that event, where we had almost 10,000 people show up in Moody Park for a free concert, told me we couldn't do any more events there because there were no facilities, no, no, no bathrooms, no parking, no building, no nothing. And that's because of, it was neglected. I had the blessing then to be working with little Joey La Familia. And I told him Dang. in the 70s what I was trying to do was to gather people and empower them with music and push forward with cultura. Because my heroes back when was the United Farm Workers and Teatro Campesino and seeing the force that they were able to accomplish with teatro Man. to educate the world, not just the United States, to educate the world about history and oppression in the fields. It took me three years to get to Miller Outdoor Theater, and what happened was April of 1977, one month later, Jose Campos Torres was killed by HPD, mm. and that kind of cemented the the barriers, the, the, the violence against uh, communities was still going on. I started to go to Miller Outdoor Theater to try to get in. That's when they told me, the Miller Theater Advisory Board back in the 70s, which has totally changed now, that the venue was a venue for the fine arts basically telling me that we were not trying to present fine arts. Anyway, Jose Campos Torres happens. The riots happen in 78. A lot of things change. In 79, they gave me $1,500 and the first date of the season. It happened to be not enough money. So what do I do? I go back to Little Joe and tell him, look, they've opened the door, but they've thrown barriers. I need help. So basically, he said, how much money do you need? And says, I don't need money. I need for you not to charge anything. So with that, we had a show in, in, in April of wow. 1980 at Miller Art Theater. It was packed. It was packed. I was so empowered when a thunderstorm came through and nobody left. I got on that <laughs> stage and I told people, I'm going to need you at City Hall because they don't want us here. And I, and I told the audience that. So my audience, they know, they know wow. the struggle. They know the struggle. So I know... It, and I'm not political. I don't let politicians on my stage. If anybody's going to talk about community or culture, it's going to be me. Mm. Because I, I know it's a powerful force. I mean, mm -hmm. we got thousands of people. So, but That's amazing. Chicanos and Mexicanos and Latinos in this town are starving for their image, their cultura, to be visible on that stage, not only at my show, but any show. They want to see themselves, just like TV. So, so, so this is, you know, to me, it, it's... Uh, Houston has got to change for the future. And I, and I really do believe that we're the city of the future. What we're talking about here, mm -hmm. we just got to get united. And, and brothers and sisters that are listening, don't. you're not just black. You're not just brown. You're not just yellow or white. We're all together, and we have to recognize that they'll throw us against each other. Mm -hmm. They'll throw Latinos against each other and try to you know, pull each other down like, like crabs in a bucket. Mm -hmm. you know, so we got to learn how to work around this. And... We're a powerful community. We got to figure out how to do this. We have to get politically uh, smart enough to know that our vote matters, and we make decisions. And the decisions was going to determine who the mayor is, who the judge is, who everybody is. And we're being discriminated against all the time, every single day, every single day. And we're talking about the arts, but I know I know that there's people listening that uh, probably suffer at work, mm. suffer at school. You know, and anywhere that they're trying, the minority contractors or whatever, you know, people in this town see wealth around them, but they're not participating in that wealth. And to me, the wealth that I'm concerned about is a cultural wealth that our families and children have in our history. And it's being denied because we yeah. don't have the avenues, you know, the, the mechanisms are not there. So getting back to the charter school question, I mean, because it starts at the family, it starts at the home, but the schools are critical. So, yes, the mm -hmm. charter schools are critical, but we've got to figure out how to get HISD to be smart for the future because it's going to cost billions of dollars in the future, 
and and, right. and not having provided proper education to children, which must include cultural enrichment yep. programs from the get-go, yep. from elementary school. Creative writers in elementary school are there. They, they you know, we got to get them started yep. early. Jars in middle school, Mike. You know, I know you're going to jump in. No. I got draw. I teach middle school. I got I got kids that are, I mean, incredible. I've told them to sign up for Menteca because uh, I know that they have it, but they won't. But they they definitely have the skills, the detail, the talent to go far. We do have to do what we got to do to, you know, to, yes. to, 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 to push them. The arts are the best way to instill the love of learning. You know, the love of learning, that in itself mm-hmm. is the one thing. Some Unfortunately, people don't get to sometimes their entire life. Do you get to it? Most of us get to it in, in university. Uh, there's a great quote by Plutarch who says, uh, education is not the filling of a vessel, mm. it's the kindling of a fire. Mm. Exactly. So that's... Mm. And and, 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 and kind of getting back to the festival, yeah. I, I, it's music now, but it used to have film, it used to have dance, wow. it used to have theater, but now it's music because to me, the most common form of cultura that people are going to relate to every single day is the music no matter what race what color what language it's a music you don't have to have an instrument you can sing you know this is a writer show right ah just kidding <laughs> but you're right it is you, you know but but it, it's so critical and and, and uh, the artists that generations of families that have been performing music in all our communities they're they're, they're critically important i mean they they carry right. a message of, of survival of respect of mm-hmm. dignity of pride you know and, and this is the things that empower people you know children especially to grow and, and do do great things and people can kind of jumpstart. we can't wait for the system to do it here you have provided this venue uh, so, so it's so, free yeah yeah it's, it's it's so this this is a 40th annual festival chicano coming up october three four and five we've been doing it every single year for 40 years without fail it's been free forever and I've been blessed to have three, three, uh, three days at Miller Theater for a while. I used to do a spring festival as well and, and other stuff. But this year, I mean, we, I'm just going to go through the lineup real quick. Uh, on Thursday, October 3rd, Jaime de Anda and, uh, and Los Desperados out of San Antonio and Grupo Fuertes, a conjunto from Pasadena. Little Joe La Familia, of course, is a legend in our community, and, and he's a, a prime mover of culture. Mm. La 45 is uh, the new generation of big Tejano Sound, Monarcas are a classic uh, conjunto here from from Houston. They're going to be performing on Friday. Saturday, uh, Elida Reina y Avante, Grammy Award winning artist, the uh, top female singer at Tejano Music Awards, going to perform along with Los Garcia Brothers. They're a conjunto. They'll come out in their zoot suits and perform. And the opening act that night is a group called Tejano Highway 281, which is a new band out of the valley, which is really hitting. But but the the festival is a celebration of music, and we're trying to just encourage everybody to come out. But everything we're talking about, Tony, it, it all has to do with cultura in terms of what, the way I look well, at it. Well, thanks for paving the way, brother, and thanks for your constant support and friendship. Appreciate you it. You got me, man, anytime. Hey, Rich, thanks for coming down. Thanks for all you do, brother. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Hey, Q, thanks for running those boards and getting these messages out there, man. No problem. Thanks for having me. Thank you, bro. Tune in to Bootleg Like Jazz to see that next episode. Hey, we got Leslie Contreras Schwartz on. Interview this Saturday. Nice. Poet Laureate, Laureate. fourth one coming through. Subscribe, go. Shout out to Marlon, Leti, Rachel, Maria. Thank you for tuning in. This is Tony Libertafricante saying bye, and we'll see you at some cool events soon. Many of us know someone looking to sell or just get rid of an old car, truck, RV, or motorcycle. It may be just taking up room in the garage or driveway. Sometimes the cost of the repair just doesn't make a sale even worth it. And as we all look for tax deductions at the end of the year, you may want to consider donating that unwanted vehicle, running or not. KPFT can have the vehicle towed away at no charge to you. The owner, you, get a tax receipt for deductions at the end of the year, a KPFT membership, and the satisfaction of knowing that old vehicle went to a good cause. It's a win all the way around. So just call toll-free 1-855-KPFT-CAR. That's 1-855-573-8227. No matter if it's a car, truck, scooter, farm equipment, just about any kind of vehicle, we can take care of it. Just call 1-855-KPFT-CAR now or visit kpft.org. This is 90.1 KPFT Houston. No matter where you are on the political spectrum, KPFT is a daily check-in on the workings of democracy. Part of a democracy is an independent press and media. Media like this is supposed to be the check and balance on government. And community radio is one of the few media outlets left that is completely independent. That's why in this age of the greatest media consolidation America has ever seen, having different voices out there is essential. KPFT has been around since 1970, and we have survived 
through the contributions of people like you. Listeners who donate to KPFT support us because they know that's what keeps KPFT independent. Why wait for a pledge drive? You can join KPFT online at kpft.org. 